I just want to take a second to thank Manscaped for their support of Dynasty Dorks Fantasy Football Podcast. Manscaped is the best below-the-waist grooming champion to the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DYNASTYDORKS at manscaped.com. With the 4.0, imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details are 4.0 oh, on the 4.0 are just absolutely next level. Um, let me tell you about my friend Marty. Marty going out to the bar, says, hey, Dave, I got a problem. Uh, Marty was he was trying to uh, you know look good for the ladies, and nicked himself so um you know we we had to have one of the uh nursing students come and uh patch marty up it was a real uh frank and beans uh, situation and uh that wouldn't have happened if he had manscaped so um just make sure you guys uh, go protect yourself ladies go get your men the lawnmower 4.0 again get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code dynasty dorks capital Dynasty Dorks at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with Dynasty Dorks as your promo code. Unlock unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. What's going on, guys? It's Dave with Dynasty Dorks. It's another Sunday closer to the NFL season. Uh, We're talking football. Got two great guys on. Jordan, I appreciate you coming on first time on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be with you guys. Love the shirt, by the way. Uh, make sure you make sure you give him a follow at, and I'm going to say it wrong. Is it McNamara Dynasty? Yeah, at McNamara Dynasty, and then you can find all my um, uh, you can find all my analytics of Dynasty work over at analyticsofdynasty.com. Uh, and you can find the Football Guys podcast, Football Guys Dynasty show, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect. Couch, thanks for coming on the show. It's all good. Even though you double booked us, I couldn't be more proud to be on the <laughs> show. It's It'll be two times as much fun as it would have been, I'm sure. No, absolutely. Um, it's just been a, it's been crazy with the move and everything. I appreciate you guys being flexible. So um, really, to, just to start off, um, you know, we want to talk about – daily lineups. I know that there's a lot of people that play dynasty. A lot of people, um, you know, you, you, you get your dynasty leagues and then you, you get invited to a hundred of them. It's like, I can only do so much dynasty leagues, um, because of the commitment. So daily fantasy football is, is just as uh, important to some of these dynasty players because it's their, um, you know, it's just, they definitely try to play play that to keep away from doing so many dynasty leagues. Uh, Couch, you really you, you really talk about dynasty, you know, DFS stuff. Uh, what are some basics for for someone just looking into daily fantasy sports? First of all, I just joined a what's called a best ball dynasty league. Turns out 
you can trade and do waivers. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I, got, I have to actually log in. So it wasn't <laughs> quite what I, I like. I, that's why I like best ball because we're all busy and we get to just like log in uh, like December or January and check if we won first place. But whatever. It's still fun. I still love, I still love Dynasty. Um, it's, 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 I'm drafting right now, slow draft. But anyway, yeah. Uh, DFS. So, um, you know, just a quick background on me, you know, seven years, I've been taking a lot of L's, uh, when I first started in 2019, uh, 2009. Um, and I also lost a few thousand dollars in DFS. Um, since then it's all been huge W's baby. So I'm very happy. I'm not afraid to let people know the, the dumb things I made, the very embarrassing mistakes I made and people learn from me. Um, and also, you know, you get to see both sides. You get to see that, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and I sucked and I was trying to figure it out. And now that I figured it out, um, it, you know, it's a great, it's a beautiful feeling, but that's, that's the number one thing. You got to be humble. So if you, you know, you guys have played DFS, I'm sure. But for people that haven't or only dabbled with $10, first thing you got to do is you got to stop. You're, this isn't poker night Saturday with your uncle and your cousin and your, and your buddies, okay? You're going up against world-class people. So that's the first thing. It was a very humbling experience just because you win your home league. By the way, everyone's home league always oh, – everyone sucks in their home league. <laughs> they draft Mahomes, eighth overall. You know, I mean, there's some – don't get me wrong. There's some very – competitive home especially when you're 300 plus buying but most people's home leagues are easy uh, but you're going against world-class people so the first thing is you got to check yourself you are not that hot okay so first thing you got to always find the little things so everything you find is going to increase your chance of winning by one percent sometimes five percent but more like usually it's going to be like one percent or 0.5 percent that's the weather, you know, is it really windy? If it's really windy, they're not going to throw really far. Um, I always look at the point spread, which is, you know, a lot of this stuff, when I first learned this, I swear this stuff was secret. Now it's pretty well known to look at the Vegas point spread, know what's going on. Games where, whether you pick, let's say, a running back or a quarterback, in games where the team's going to have the lead, they're going to run the ball more in the fourth quarter. You know, teams that are trailing and uh, and and everything aligns, like Dallas Cowboys the first five games, their defense sucks, they're a passing offense, and they got Dak. Um, so that's going to mean they're going to throw the ball a lot. And that was, that was the perfect example. Someone told me Dak was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards. Don't know if that's true, but I had him on my fantasy team and it sure as hell felt like it. Yep. And, um, you, you just gotta know, um, you got, there's, there's, so there's, there's other few things, but you know what the number one thing is when I coach people for DFS is to know the contest. It really is. If you're looking to do something somewhat reasonable, like somewhat within the realm of not being totally crazy, I would not enter the millionaire contest at all. I do because I'm psychotic. I just want to win it. <laughs> I don't even care about the money. I'm just that psycho. I just want to tell people I won the millionaire. It It's too insane because people do these random, they enter 150 times, they do random things. Um, and this could be applied to the same thing when they're even a one day contest. So they call them like showdowns on, on yep. DK or whatever, you know, each the one, one game slate, you know, whatever. If you enter the top one that's given away a million, 
or half a million, just watch out. I wouldn't recommend doing that unless you really just have money to throw away and you're really just playing like I am just for the craze of it. Um, you should pick your contest a little bit, a little bit more realistic. You can do a one, a single entry, um, a three entry, even the 20 entry max. Those are good. Cause it's going to, people aren't going to enter weird stuff. Like the, one of the times I, the biggest time I've won the perfect lineup had Marcus Mariota in it. And uh, I was like week, whatever week 10 or whatever it was Raiders chargers last year. Right. And, and then I look uh, on the other competing website it was the same thing, the millionaire or quarter million or half, whatever it was, probably quarter million, 200,000 first place had Marcus Mariota in the lineup. And for a normal person who's listening right now to this, you're probably not going to pick, you're probably not going to put $20 or $15 on or $10 on a lineup and pick the backup quarterback who's not playing. So just be careful because I entered the one right below that first place, 50,000 and I won. And thank God Marcus Mariota wasn't in anyone's <laughs> lineup. So be very – that could be the number one thing you study is the contests you enter. It's very, very important. Know if you're entering a cash game. Know if you're entering a GPP tournament. And, you know, if you want to be in the world of reality, don't do the millionaire contest where people enter 150 times. Yeah, or, or 300 if you're, if you're trying to – cheat with your spouse right with yeah if you're on the bachelorette and you're joining with the, that me me and you think alike i already that's that's the first thing that came to my mind but i was i figured i talked to a lot already but yeah More no no I, I love what you had to say first of all thanks for you know just the point about humility and just like because people can go out there and they think well you know i just i killed my buddies from college and i'm gonna go out here and drop you know Money that you're, if you're not, you know, if, if you're going to throw money out there that you're not comfortable losing without any type of background, then you're just being foolish. Um, but like you said, being, being just humble in regards to no matter what you're doing, because um, there are some people out there that are, people are paying them to play, you know, they're sponsoring them to play daily sports for them. Um, and then knowing your lineup, can you just, can you explain what GPP is versus cash games real quick? Yeah, so cash game, most basic explanation, very general. Basically, you got a 50-50 shot of winning or like 45%, whatever. So it's basically 50-50, which is head-to-head -head me versus you, so 50% chance. Or a pool of, let's say, 100 people or 1,000, and you know half the people get paid um, approximately you know the, the same money you put in or like 45% of the people get paid. So those are essentially 50-50 odds of winning and those those ones you want to be very safe you want to be not maybe not safe yeah but not very safe safe most you want to be pick, pick consistent players with high floors let's get our terminology straight so you want to pick players you can count on not these super crazy players right like i don't know maybe like Tariq cohen kind of like that type of player who relies on big plays and not a lot of volume that's more of a risky play darren sproles was like a good one went a lot of his career he was more of a gpp play he returned you know he touched the ball only like 10 times like you needed that big play from him so you want those consistent players players that get a lot of carries um also uh, and uh, with, with cash games, you always want the guy. Let's say, let's say Ezekiel Elliott goes down, 
and Tony Pollard. You always want to pick Tony Pollard. That's called chalk. It means he's going to be the popular player because he's going to be priced cheap and he's going to get you a ton of fantasy points. So it's that's a very easy pick. Um, 80% of fantasy uh, lineups are going to have him in uh, in their in their lineup. So you got to pick him. So that's a cash game. High floor, consistent players that you can rely on. GPP, we're stepping into a different realm. This is my land, baby. This is this is you got to have a different type of uh, of makeup to play in these. It's very very hard to win. It's extremely hard to win. And one of the things I really preach myself um, is to have contrarian players. So you want players with a lot of upside. You want risky players. But one thing I really try to put in, I try to put in one to five players that other people aren't going to pick one. For example, I didn't even do this myself, but someone asked me like, Hey, what's a contrarian pick in this game? I was like, uh, Andy Isabella. And then he went off for two touchdowns. I don't think he did anything the whole season except that one game last year. Uh, but that's the type of guy, like someone was hurt. Or, I think Christian Kirk or so someone was hurt or banged up. So I was like, yeah, pick Andy Isabel. Like he's not good, but like, I mean, he might be able to run past the defense and boom, he scores two touchdowns. And uh, that's not really tooting my own horn. Like it was, I, I, I told him, I like, look, it's a low chance, but I was like, no one's picking him though. And uh, that's the type of players you want for that GBP lineup. If they hit, so when Andy Isabella caught that second touchdown, you go straight to the top on the charts of GPP. So that's the two differences. GPP, by the way, stands for guaranteed prize pool. In short, we just call it tournament. It's just a, re it's really hard to win, but a really big prize. So if you put in 10 bucks, you can win like a hundred thousand or something. Depends. Sometimes only a thousand, sometimes a million. And Jordan. Yeah. So I, I saw earlier when we were just, when he was going through just, the different um, – with those different GPP or cash games, do you play either of those? So it's funny. The analytics of Dynasty, that's how it started, uh, was actually my research on, um, on DFS. And so I had played – it would have been the season of 2017, and I got into a, a whole bunch of um, playing DFS really early on in the season. Um, and I did like fairly – I ended up being – uh, positive in terms of uh, ROI through like four, maybe five weeks. But it got to the point where I didn't really have a great grasp of what I was doing strategically or even for that matter, picking players. And so I said, I'm going to take a pause. I don't want to invest any more in this because I think I'm negative EV. And I said, you know, let me just see but let's spend the off season doing a ton of research, right? And, and sort of looking at player profiles and that sort of thing. So I spent basically two months worth of my time just doing research from January. It's probably like mid January to like mid, uh, mid March of, uh, of that off season, just doing a whole bunch of research uh, and preparing to play DFS the following year. And it all basically tied back to dynasty, which was what I, which is where I came from and sort of what I've, what I did. Uh, so I, that's how basically the analytics dynasty got started. I haven't, I've dabbled a little bit more recently um, for a variety of reasons. It's been tough to play a ton of volume, uh, but this year, actually, I think my work, my work situation is going to line up where I can play a lot more this year. I anticipate playing some more. Um, I'm curious, uh, just sort of with what you were saying for the, for 
you know, the, the average person, let's just say you were, you got, I don't know, a, just to use round numbers, you got a thousand dollars and you're looking to play some, like you're, uh, you're not an expert, but you're kind of looking to play more. You follow a lot of football, like maybe you're a pretty intense dynasty player and sort of looking to do that more on a week to week basis. What size, like, would you recommend the 20 man or the, the 20 max entry? That sort of be where you would, where you would begin somebody. Yeah. So in short, yes. But the first thing I would do is what's your goal? That's what I mm -hmm. always ask. I actually don't do a ton of that bankroll. I don't have time for that. It's mm -hmm. not, not that it's not smart to do, uh, to worry about your bankroll. But so the first thing I just say is, look, you want to know your goal. I think there's about three goals. One, you're a psycho and you want to win the millionaire, mm -hmm. which is not, you know, I'm not, it's not hating. That's me. Okay. <laughs> but you got to be crazy though. That's, that's the first thing. Second is you want to do, you want to win the big money and you know, you want to go for that GPP thrill and, uh, but you want to be somewhat grounded, somewhat in reality, which is definitely what I recommend. Or three is the cash game guy who you just want to, I don't know. You love the grind. Some people mm -hmm. like the slow, painful grind to me. It's, it's not fun. I don't play any cash games anymore because I figured out – that's the thing. I figured out my goal. It was for me to have fun. I just want to mm -hmm. chase the GPP. So I, I highly – like for me, I think the best one is option two, the three entries, the single entry. Because look, if even if you do a 20 entry, which is a good contest to pick, 20 entry max, you can also do a single entry. Mm -hmm. Like when you do a GPP, if you really want to win, guys, you have to do more than one entry. It's just – the way it is and it, you know if you don't if you really only want to put three bucks in in a week then then stick to the single entry where you can win maybe a thousand bucks that's that's still awesome three bucks to have fun you got a small shot to win a thousand um but yeah that's what i would i would kind of stick in that middle ground i can win 10 g's i can win 50 g's i can win 100 g's and i can enter in you know i can enter a lineup and then maybe tweak two players uh, that I entered in that 20 max and then tweak it and then enter it into the three max or single entry. Mm -hmm. would, would you say like, if I was looking at game stack, so if I identify, maybe I identify, I don't know, a couple of games in a week where I think, Hey, listen, I think th this game's probably underpriced. Yeah. You know, there's a variety of reasons. I think it might go over or whatever. Uh, how many is, is in a 20 man, in a 20 max is is one game too much to just sort of dump in and game stack throughout or would you recommend doing a couple of those or sort of how would you sort of view that in terms of uh, risk versus odds to win that sort of thing i don't really do the game stack so i would say yeah don't do i i, I just don't do that not mm -hmm. not that i don't look at the high scoring games and specifically i think one good tip here that this com that this topic is about right here is you know, you have the top high scoring games according to Vegas, mm -hmm. but if you find the fourth or fifth one that mm -hmm. you have a lot of faith in, like you're talking about, then yeah, target players from there. But I, I would not like, I just don't see any reason to go all in that entire week on that. Yeah. If you're doing very few entries, then I mean, you could, I'm not against it either, but I don't, I don't do that necessarily. Gotcha. What's the max you'll you'll roster someone in like a twenty man and a twenty max? Like how many, uh, how many? Like what percent roster percentage would you max out at for any given player? Yeah. Oh, it's it's uh it's it's case by case. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes uh 
sometimes I'm above 50%. I do look at the exposure. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, you want to look at, you, you probably don't want a hundred percent, man. It's just case by case. I just go with, with what I think it's going to take that week for me to have a big chance to go on the, on the ladder. So, um, yeah, man, sometimes it, sometimes it really gets close to 80%. Okay. And sometimes it's really at the 20, 30%. Are so, those 80%, are those really high exposure guys cheap typically? Or will you really go up on someone? There's really guys I really like. Yeah. Right. Just it all, it all depends case th- there's no, yeah, there's no, um, like there's not there's no trend every single week it it goes i do a lot of the single games too as well so okay i think in yeah. that one every you got to kind of throw away kind of every because you're just picking players from one game there's really not that many to pick from gotcha gotcha well that's very helpful so. <laughs> yeah no I, I like those prime time formats as well um less less combinations um you know as far as the the lineups but when you're talking about the exposure rates um Obviously, with GPP and four cash games, your your game plan's a little different. How does exposure play in one versus the other? Oh well, cash is totally different. I don't even with cash. That's totally different because you can go with one or two lineups. Exposure doesn't it doesn't matter. I'd say I guess with cash games because yep. with the cash game, I could just go with one lineup one week and that's it. Now usually I would go with. If I were to do cash, I'd go two lineups. So I tweak that lineup and be like, just in case some weird stuff happens, you know, I got two to four other players. Usually, like, actually, the defense is what I might switch, the one that's hardest to predict, you know? So I might go, okay. And then once you switch the defense, now you can afford another player or you can't afford another player. So now I hedge myself a little bit. I got two little bit different lineups. Uh, with GPP, yeah, you wanna, you, you definitely wanna just swing for the fences, and yeah, you wanna worry about exposure because if you got the same guy, like it doesn't, it doesn't really work. You don't want a hundred percent there. I, I would, I would say no, unless you're, you know, you do one of those three dollar guys, which is fine, which is probably smarter than than what I've done and lost money. Now, um, so as far as you know, we talked about game stacks. What about just individual stacks are there certain positions that you'd recommend stacking and then certain positions you'd recommend not stacking positions oh in a in the in the single game yeah so if i'm going you know quarterback tight end you know obviously there's you know after the first couple tight ends which tight ends are usually extremely pricey for the top guys but if you're going all right i'm gonna pick you know uh the the seventh or eighth most expensive tight end to save some money but stack him with my quarterback to kind of elevate his value, something like that. Or do you just, do you always put, you know, quarterback with receivers? Um, I would say I've done, I've do it all still. I would say the tight end usually doesn't hit when you get a cheap tight end and you stack it. It's just the way it is. Like it almost never hits for me. Um, and I've done it with r- pass catching running backs and hope they caught a pass catch, uh, a receiving touchdown. And that almost never works as well um, with, with tight ends, like the top dollar ones. Yeah. It, it works out a lot more because, you know, they're actually good and reliable. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm saying that, but then again, once you do that now, now the goal is not necessarily to pick contrarian players. The goal is to submit a contrarian lineup. 
that's how your lineup is unique. And yes, if you pick two tight ends or if you do pick a cheap tight end that a lot of people aren't picking um, or a stack with, the, you know, an unlikely stack with the tight end, then yeah, that's going to help really uh, separate your lineup. Another another tip I do with the one game slates, especially um, sometimes the, the full slates too, is to sometimes not really spend my entire salary cap. Because I know there's not too many people dumb enough to do that. But that's the easiest, fastest way to create a unique lineup is just spend a little bit less than, you know, like a thousand bucks, whatever the site you're on, less than the salary cap. And uh, you're going to have quite a unique lineup because not a lot of people do that. No, that makes sense, man. Well, I appreciate all the tips on that. And, and do you play any Dynasty at all? Oh yeah, I'm do I told I'm doing a best ball dynasty draft right now. He said Slow, that. He said high that. stakes, high stakes, baby. Nice. Slow draft's the way to go. I I I don't know. I don't know if, if you don't play dynasty, you're maybe not as familiar with slow draft, but as someone with kids, uh slow draft is one hundred percent the best way to go. Oh, I hate slow draft, bro. It, it's you painful. Hate it? Well, I got ADD and anxiety and so every i wake every time i'd wake up like be is it my pig it's like it's just i just like to get it i film every draft too by the way i film every oh, single nice. draft i do yeah yeah i i think i'm the one that started this filming the draft and then face cam in the corner uh, and then yeah i think i started that trend on youtube and nice. yeah and so i like to do it all i like an intense like two hour session get it over with i'm done uh, but yeah, the, the, the slow draft kind of kills me. I admit I'm having a lot of fun with this one, so it's cool. And I get, and I totally get why, you know, people like slow drafts, but man, when a draft takes like two and a half weeks, I'm like, Oh my God, like a uh, player can go from hot to cold. I just like to get it over with all no, at once. We, there's, I mean, obviously not as much news right now, but there was definitely a couple of slow drafts that I was in and, you know, Carson Wentz got traded in the middle of a draft. <laughs> um, you know, things like that happen. And, like, the person was literally on the clock for, like, the full eight hours, but then, like, it was midnight and it paused. So then they got, like, another eight hours the next day, and they milked it for, like, another seven, and then Wentz got traded. And they were like, oh, it's super flex. I need a quarterback. Carson Wentz sounds like a good pick. Um, you know, or the Stafford trade happened in the middle of another draft. So, yeah, that definitely can happen. Um, so – Dynasty, you know, dynasty leagues, you know, every year there's, you know, there's a lot of new names when it comes to the running backs, receivers kind of stay a little longer. Um, there's a lot of new running backs as far as last year's class. A lot of those guys are RB1s this year. Um, you know, there's not as many rookies this year that people kind of expecting to be um, top tier dynasty running backs. But if you look at the top 12 dynasty running backs, a lot of them come from last year's draft class. When you're looking at your drafts and you're, you're doing your startups, are you attacking running back receiver early? Do you have a, a preference or you just see how the draft board takes you? Do I answer this? Either. Well, Jordan, we haven't heard much, much from you. So this, this question for you. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, uh, generally speaking, you know, I, I think each year is different. Um, as a general rule, um, I tend to wait on, uh, I, I tend to wait on running back. 
for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, generally speaking, every time you take a wide receiver over running back, it's a losing proposition. But the only time that that's not true is early in a draft. Uh, and so uh, there, depending on how you want to measure it, there it, it's pretty close. Um, you know, and, and again, it depends what you're sort of aiming for, but I think that's a pretty close call where wide receivers are better than running backs. As you sort of go further and further into the draft, running back becomes more valuable in terms of actually winning games. So I tend to, historically, I tend to go wide receiver early. You know, if it's super flex, I'm drafting, maybe I'm drafting quarterbacks early um, and I'm sort of waiting on the running back position with the intent to go with a ton of volume at running back. And when I mean a ton of volume, I'm talking like two to one running back to wide receiver ratio at least, um, which is tends to be a little contrarian. Um, this year, I think it's a little bit different. Um, everyone's vaulting up wide receiver profiles that aren't great. So, and they're very, really um, devaluing really good wide receiver profiles. So this, this is a year where I don't think there's a particular uh, urgency to go early at the, at the wide receiver position, because you can sort of hit, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rounds. You're taking guys like Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, like you can Juju Smith-Schuster's in there even later. I mean, just keep going down on that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I was in a super flex draft at your one one and it was about the easiest pick I've ever had to make it took Mahomes. Um, you know, I think this year the quarterback position is really going off in super flex drafts. I mean, you're seeing uh, as many as 10 of the top 13 picks being quarterbacks. Yep. It's a lot. Um, and there's some really dangerous profiles going early too. You know, I mean, Burroughs going really early. Like we don't know. Like I tend to think that that's a really dangerous pick. Herbert's going really early. There's a lot of reasons to think that's a dangerous pick. I mean, Lawrence is going really early where, that is a lot of reason to think that's a dangerous pick. And then when you look at it, like Russell Wilson's going after those guys, like that's uh, to me, like that's, that's a pretty um, easy landmine not to step on when you have a guy like Russell Wilson going cheaper than those guys. Um, yeah. So I, that's a lot of it, you know, in a normal year, I'd go wide receiver early this year. There's really like the market is sort of gifting you this golden opportunity to not do that. And it's pretty, it's pretty nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and uh, you know, the, like the Rams receivers, both those guys, you kind of just wait and get the cheaper one. Um, and you can get them in the sixth, fifth, sixth round, maybe the seventh round. Um, and they offer, you know, wide receiver one upside. And you're most mm -hmm. likely getting, getting them as your, as your second receiver. Uh, Couch, what, what have you seen in your drafts or what, what have you been leaning leaning on? Well, here's the thing. I'm I'm assuming that everyone's dynasty league, you got to start at least three wide receivers. Is that the case? Most of mine, yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. That's the first thing I'm going to look at is the settings because I'm in one dynasty league, old school. They start two wide receivers and a flex. And in there, like, literally everyone has an abundance of wide receivers, wide receiver. You can't even trade a wide receiver. You can't sell. I can't give you a free wide receiver in those leagues. So I'm always going RB, you know, in those, and then, you know, there comes tight end premium, you know, and tight end premium. I'm going Kyle Pitts 1.01. Cause I just have that much faith in him. And so, yeah, that's going to be the real factor. This RB class overall is weaker than last year's class. I mean, I'd say it's way weaker than last year's 
yeah. RB class. Uh, but I'm still an RB first kind of guy. Now, if, when you do like when you do a three wide receiver and flex PPR league, now you know I think it I think it evens up the playing field for sure. <laughs> now, you know, a guy like who I I'm really high on Devontae Smith, uh, Slim Reaper. I think I think you got to go get a guy like him in that type of league, three wide receiver league. You know, Devontae Smith could be a star. They can also possibly, possibly trade for Deshaun Watson, who might even play this year. And so, yeah, you guys will be you guys will love Devontae Smith if Deshaun Watson's on the Eagles. No, I, yeah, I saw that coming out earlier this week. How the the Eagles are just. If anyone is positioned to go make a run, they have two first-round picks, potentially a third first-round pick if if Carson Wentz uh, plays a certain amount of snaps, and then um, they have you know a couple other positions of of depth that the Texans are are looking for. Um, particularly, Jalen Hurts could be a part of that deal um, as well. So, yeah, that would be a boom for uh, Devonta Smith uh, and his stock. And, um, you know, speaking of, speaking of tight ends, um, you know, tight end early is, is something a lot of people are jumping on this year. You know, it's a huge difference maker. If you looked at your, your drafts last year, you looked at your championships, most of the teams that, that were in the championship or won the championship had one of those top tight ends. So a lot of people are preaching that, but of course only two or three guys can get, or four guys can get, you know, those top guys. What are some tight ends that you you can, you can go after if you miss on, let's say you miss on Kittle. Let's say you miss on, on Waller, miss on Kelsey and you miss on Pitts. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would, yeah, there's been a fair amount of research about some of the the final standings last year, and you know, hey, Kelsey was in a ton of tight end premium finals. Like, yeah, he was, um, but those teams were largely built a certain way, right? Like, if a perfect example is if if Kyle Pitts and Travis Kelsey perform the exact same way, if you give them the exact same stat line, you know, every week, and they finish with the exact same amount of points. Kelsey's going to win a lot more championships than Pitts is because he's on a lot more contending teams, right? Um, so that would just be one thing I would sort of, you know, we got to be careful. I, I agree in tight end premium that tight end is important. I would just be careful about thinking that you can't win unless you have one of those elite guys. Um, just because that's how it was structured last year. Like it probably says a lot more about, you know, the teams that had Kelsey. Kelsey wasn't on rebuilding teams, right? So you're already eliminating a huge swath of bad teams that Kelsey wasn't on. Right. So that would just be one thing that I would say about that. Um, you know, I, I tend to think there's probably, you know, maybe four guys that have tight end one in their range of outcomes this year. It's probably Kelsey Waller, maybe Kittle. Um, I think Hawkinson has just as good of an argument uh, than as, as Kittle does. I think, I think Kittle could, or I think, excuse me, I think Hawkinson could have a, a huge, huge volume season. Uh, and so that would be one that I, I think is pretty interesting. You know, going down the line, you know, I just did a draft and this is the first time I've ever done it, but the analytics of Dynasty had a had a really good chapter uh, in it this year, written actually by a contributor who had went through all basically all the scoring systems and talked about how tight end premiums different in each one sort of looked at how many receivers you start and, and what the premium is. And it was some really interesting research 
that was done and um, and really helpful. And it's forced me to sort of be more aggressive at tight end in particular uh, when in, in, you know, two PPR leagues, which I play a lot of, uh, especially when there's three wide receivers, the wide receiver impact on, uh, on the value of tight end is pretty big. So that is, uh, that was interesting. And, you know, I, I went up and got two pretty good tight ends. I think I, I think it was Andrews and, and, uh, Ingram, if memory serves, uh, I know, I think it was, I know Ingram was the second one. I think Andrews was, was the first one. It was either Andrews or Hawkinson. Um, and, and, you know, I, I basically have two of the top 10 guys in that league was, was, I think Ingram was 10th off the board. Um, you know, it puts your team in a much different way in a tight end premium way. You know, you can really get value out of the flex spot and, you know, people are down on Ingram. I think if you threw a couple more touchdowns in there, his career would look a lot different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those things can be highly variant from year to year. So, I mean, you just look at, you know, if you gave him, if you just split the Robert Tanyan and Evan Ingram touchdowns equally, right, the conversation would be having would be much different. So, and those things can be very fluky from year to year. So, um, you know, that's a lot of it. And I think tight end, I'm not going to say it's a largely a solved problem, but we really know what the profiles are, right? I mean, we, the, the analytics of dynasty, I sort of have gone through this and looked at what tight end profiles work, especially later on. There's basically two profiles. There's the all timer, right? There's the all timer guys that are on the back end of their careers and falling in price, but still have jobs. So that's Gronkowski. Heck that's Jimmy Graham, right? He was a really good candidate to outproduce his ADP um, where, where he's going. Um, you know, it was Witten, it was Gonzalez, it was Gates for a while, right? It was those types of guys, or it's the depressed pedigree. Uh, it's the depressed pedigree guys who have already done it. So who might be a little bit on the younger scale. So that's, you know, Ingram to an extent, I wouldn't really call him, super depressed pedigree guy, but, uh, Eric Ebron like consistently outproduces his ADP. Hayden Hurst is another interesting one. So you sort of get down there and look at those guys. I mean, Zach Ertz, I I don't even like him as a player, but I think he's going too cheap. Yeah. So you sort of look at those guys. I think that's largely the formula of what you want to shoot for later in the draft. Anybody you're looking at there, uh, Couch? Yeah. Um, I'll just really quick. Let me answer this guy's question. Where do y'all have pits and dynasty? Um, He's my he's my number one tight end in dynasty startup. Um, I'm not afraid to take risks and and uh, you know when you get a guy, I think he's going to produce year one. Uh, he's just an overgrown wide receiver, and so and that's that's just a huge advantage for me to get a guy that young with that much uh, potential. I mean, I view him just like you know, like Andrew Luck or something in a, yeah. or, or Trevor Lawrence this year. That's, that's how, in a super flex dynasty. Hey, can he buy beer yet? I don't think, <laughs> I think it's August. He turns 21. I don't know. <laughs> I know he's a rookie and uh, he's 20. He's, he looks, he's, he's uh, about to turn 21 before the season. And I, I think, I don't even think he can buy beer yet. I think it's next month. Um, yeah. I think young. he, He's going to be better than Darren Waller in two years, I think. That's my bold prediction. Uh, but Hawkinson was Hawkinson's a guy that I love. Um, so I don't know. Can I talk about redraft really quick, or does that change? Yeah, mind? no, absolutely. So, Good. Yeah. So one thing I, you know, I one thing I know is is redraft for sure. Um, but it's on the topic of tight end. So when I looked at all my winning teams on every single league. 
every year it's actually been more of a tight end late strategy. That's one over 90% of the time, uh, except last year, last year. Uh, yeah. Kelsey was actually on a ton of rosters and I just look at my league. I was in 14 leagues and I looked at all of them and yeah. Kelsey, are those best balls or are they, are they uh, just regular redraft redraft, okay. just playing redraft leagues. Um, yeah, Kelsey was on a lot of winning rosters. Even Mark Andrews, because he caught like, you know, you you were good enough to not die. And then Mark Andrews did well towards the end of the season. He improved Lamar Jackson did well towards the end of the season. Um, so the key is always the ideal key, I think, is always tight end late. Unfortunately, it's very difficult. So the year before that. So I'm going to go through all the exams. So other than last year, which was a weird pandemic year, maybe it was nothing to do with that. I don't know. But every other year, Dane there, it's always been like this. So the year before, it was there's three tight ends on everyone's winning roster. That was Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, and Darren Waller. These guys were all going super late or undrafted. Yeah. Uh, year before that, um dang i forgot in 2018 there was there was one though but the year right before that was probably zach ertz or a few years before as i remember i got him in 2016 or 17 uh 17 i think i drafted zach ertz like round 10 ish boom you know he was a like that's before he was a stud year before that i actually won a league when i drafted travis kelsey at 6.11 so, and then Martellus Bennett is another example. Julius Thomas, Orange Julius on the Broncos. Nice. Aiden Manny, that's another. Name. Yeah, he was a free agent in offseason. No one heard of him. Um, so, these, this is like, because every roster that wins, though, this is in, in last year as well, every winning roster on redraft, over, well over 90% does have a top six, top five tight end. Um, and in 10 team leagues, probably top four ish tight end. So almost every roster does have a good tight end. It's a, you know, it's get that positional advantage. So it is ideal. Unfortunately, last year, none of them hit. Uh, mine was, um, who's the redhead on the Falcons? Hayden Hurst. Yeah. He didn't hit for me. He was one of my gotta get, yeah, let's get this guy. Let's do it. And, uh, he didn't hit, but I feel better. Cause no, no, no late round. Tight end hit last year. Not that I maybe I'm Robert wrong. Tanyan. Robert Tanyan. Well, even if he, he wasn't, wasn't even Thomas, was he drafted? He wasn't even drafted. Yeah. Logan okay. Thomas. So he did he hit. He hit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Labor I, gem. Yeah. I, I, I love what you had you you said there, and I think it can apply to other positions like quarterback. Everyone says late round quarterback, late round quarterback. And in your one quarterback leagues, yes, you know, you could you can do that strategy in, in most of your leagues, especially your home leagues, where people only draft in one quarterback. But let's not think that every late quarterback is gonna is gonna hit with the upside that some of these guys that have in the recent past. I mean, Josh Allen, he was not drafted extremely high last year. He blew up the year before was you know Lamar Jackson, the year before was Patrick Mahomes. And you know, you, you have to you, only only one or two of those late round guys is really gonna launch into the top five, top six QB range. And um, I, I think sometimes people wait too late on quarterback and, and just fall too much into that late quarterback strategy. And with the tight ends, with what you just said, Waller was in last year's drafts was not being drafted in the top three rounds. He was probably, you know, around five, six, seven. So you were able to build your roster pretty well, even before drafting him. 
and then getting the production you got just made your roster a freaking bully. With quarterbacks, I, I sort of disagree. I think I think in a one QB league, I think you can wait. I think it's totally fine. Now, I'll take Patrick Mahomes in a redraft and twelve team round four, sure, but he'll never he never falls there. So I I'm fully subscribing with late quarterback because there's always almost always one guy willing to reach or a couple guys willing to reach in pretty much every single league for a quarterback super flex is totally different super flex watch out you know that's that's a different game yeah different animal if you wait too long maybe if you blink like four and a half times you may have missed all the quarterbacks so (laughs) then you're dead that you can't you can't make it back because the waivers say no when you go to qb it says no there's just not no one there (laughs) so (laughs) it's like joe flacco like that's like you end up with joe flacco joe flacco uh so that's there, but in one QB, bro, you can totally wait because it's well, twelve. I, and I'm not saying teams. early QB. I'm not saying early QB. I'm not drafting Mahomes in the first round, second round, anything like that. Yeah, I got you. I got you. But still, and I and I love the top seven QB. So I'm always I'm always subscribing to Herbert. I think Herbert's a stud, by the way. Her always subscribing to Herbert, Russell Wilson, whoever falls. Sometimes it's Dak. Occasionally it's Lamar. Rare occasion. Um, but I always, you know, that's kind of the first tier, I think, is that seven. So I do like that. And then round six, round seven, those guys there, I do like that. But I think almost always you can wait because I'll be like, all right, I can go with Tannehill, Brady, or Stafford. If you, you know, have your well, doubts about Stafford, I'm going to just get, you know, I can get a, I can get a backup QB too. Like I just, I think it, I think it can work almost all the time. And, and, these guys, I feel like they're they're just as good because if you do get Tannehill, I think Tannehill will be pretty good, and you would have got another guy earlier instead of drafting that quarterback who you know maybe a T Higgins or mm-hmm. even Antonio Brown who I think you know so anybody or a you know a running back you know I know what do you guys think of Michael Carter because he's very controversial kind of I like Michael Carter I like Michael eight. Carter yeah Javante Williams I like you know so. Instead of one of those guys, um, you just drafted a quarterback. So I'm and not saying like, you know, getting getting Wilson, that's fine. Getting a top seven is great. I do like that too. But I think I think late QB, man, I really think no, it, you, it works you almost the Q- all the time. You hit the QBs I was talking about. And I like the, yeah. the middle middle quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, those guys. And um you know, oh yeah, don't wait that long because now you're in Joe Burrow. Yeah. I do like, but he has that risk. So yeah, don't maybe don't wait that. Maybe yeah, don't wait I'm for not, Trevor don't, Lawrence as your don't don't QB wait for one. Derek Carr or don't uh definitely don't wait as long as you're gonna get Joe Flacco. No, well in one QB that in a one QB twelve team that'll never happen though. That's the thing because you'd yeah. have to wait twenty for twenty four quarterbacks <laughs> to go. But but still, I yeah, I mean if if you're seeing backup QBs go like teams drafting two then. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't want Trevor Lawrence as my QB one. The good thing is, is like I named the top like eleven QBs. So usually, a Tannehill, Brady, or Stafford will be yeah. once once you see nine, eight, nine QBs go off the board, uh, then it's you probably t- like let's not wait too much longer, or or yeah. you might you know something bad might happen. Pull, pull the parachute now before it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, who is a late TE that you can take advantage? Um, Gerald Everett, question mark. He's interesting. He's like a discount Johnny Smith. They're basically the same statistically. 
uh, and have gotten treated massively different by the market. It's pretty interesting. Um, you just when you look at some of these, like you can talk about the touchdown rate. Wait, he has. I actually see John go a little later with the injury now. I mean, maybe before the, the, the NFL. I mean, the NFL treated them massively different. Oh, it's really gotcha. interesting yes, from like a gotcha. from a numbers perspective. Like I could put him on a blind resume and like it'd be a coin flip if he got it right. Um, the it's interesting because you look at the tight ends from last year, and it's you know Logan Thomas is the is the third guy, and he's for a lot of reasons is like a that's a, a glaring bust candidate because he just ran the most routes and in the NFL by like a, at the tight end position by like a not close margin and was, wasn't very good on them, but just they accumulated. So um, Tanya and obviously the touchdown rate, but I mean, that's three and four right there. Just pretty remarkable. And you look, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was really interested in Hayden Hurst last year because I got him really cheap in a lot of spots. I think he's a good example of how to play dynasty from his, from his experience last year. And I traded him. You can basically, you know, non-premium leagues, you get a second for him which I did in a bunch of spots. And basically my thought was, is like, all right, if he's sort of performs at what his cost was, like what's going to happen to him? Well, he's not going to make that much of a difference and he's going to fall in value, right? Which, you know, he was going right around 10 and ADP. He finished his tight end nine, right? Now we, we think he's a bust and he's fall, he's plummeted. He plummeted before pits. Now he's plummeted even further. And it's just a really interesting, like if, if this person performs at what their cost is, you know, what's going to happen to them, he's going to fall in price. And that was a, he was a really classic example of that. It's interesting yeah. with Michael Carter, the other one too. Um, I have a, I have a metric in my, in the analytics of dynasty from 2021. It's just the rookies who improve in startup costs. Uh, from the rookie season to the next year. So basically, who goes up in ADP? This is nothing about the production. We could talk about. We could, it's a different conversation, but it's largely related. But the the worst performers in the first four rounds of the NFL draft, fourth round running backs, because we kind of do what we're doing with Michael Carter. We're like, oh, he's kind of like it's going to be his job. It's going to be his job. And historically, that's been a really bad bet. Um, and we've seen them go earlier than they should go. And then they fall in price. It's interesting when you sort of compare them against what's the best performer of the skill position. So running back, wide receiver, tight end of the first four rounds, it's third round running backs. 71% of them go up in price from year one to year two. And it's a really interesting when you sort of compare the two of them. Like I think Michael Carter is getting sort of put in a Trey Sermon category. When you just look at what their hit rates might be historically, it's two to one for Sermon. And like the odds that Sermon goes up, you know, the historical odds that Sermon's profile goes up in value, pretty good. The historical odds for Carter, pretty bad. It's a really interesting comp. You know, when I write yeah. the analytics of Dynasty each year, it's, I don't, I don't know what's going to, you know, I, I, I'm writing it now for next year, so you don't really know, but then you sort of look and see these patterns keep appearing. And that's just another one that shows up. It's just kind of from a historical basis, like, and a value basis. Like, it's really a dangerous bet. I'm, I'll make the bet. <laughs> i i know i know people have brought that up to me about michael carter but you know i'm like he's he is very risky and i just i look at it case by case um uh, i i just ranked trey sherman ahead of him um i think that's two different teams uh 49ers and jets but that's how much i liked michael carter man i think i think he's gonna be good but um i recognize the risk and 
I don't look at that round three, round four, because he barely made it out of that. Like he was, he wasn't he barely round four. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's historically not been the order of which you go in the round is isn't. It's much more predictive of what what round you went in than the order in which you went. And I've actually seen some research on this, which is it's something I want to dive into a little bit more. I might include it in the 2022 edition. But I think there's a, a reasonable argument to make that it's better to be in the later part of a round than the earlier part of a round because you're going to a better team. You're less likely to have um, you're less likely to have turnover at the coaching position, which is I think is an understated thing in terms of rookie development. So there's a lot of reasons in there, like the early, you know, like a, a good argument, like a good case for this was Hakeem Butler a couple of years ago. Everyone's like he just fell out. He just fell out of day two. And I actually went through and I like went case by case with all the guys that just fell out of day two. And they it was like, it was still the same 5% hit rate of the fourth round guy. So I, I do think it's a, it has historically been a massive difference. The third round guys are twice as likely to hit as the, as the fourth round guys at running back. And, you know, just, you, know, you just sort of look at the same, it, it's a pattern that, and that's not to say that Carter can't outproduce Sermon, but I think he's, it's, he's definitely swimming upstream. That's yeah. that's super interesting. Um, you know, historical data and just how the trends are going is it's it's always interesting to look at. You know, when you're you're talking about these these rookie quarterbacks, something that we've we've been talking about on the show is in the last three years, the first round quarterbacks, all of them have taken over the starting position by week eight, except for Jordan Love, who didn't start at all. He was a healthy scratch for most games, but as far as the rookie quarterbacks drafting them, you, you're drafting them with the understanding of they're they're probably going to be the starter at the end of the season. You just don't know where. And in, in dynasty leagues, you understand that there's a long game involved. But when you're talking about redraft, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, we know that Lawrence and Wilson are getting on the field, but Fields, Lance, and um, Jones – how are you feeling about those guys and their chances of starting? We'll say over eight games this year. Fields, Lancer, Jones. Yep. Um, yeah, they're interesting. I mean, I mean, I, I think Fields is probably. I think Chicago's front office and coaching staff are playing for their jobs, so I think there's probably some incentive to get him on the field, uh, and so I, I think he's probably the best bet. What's interesting to me is that. Uh, you know, there's I see a lot of San Francisco Super Bowl predictions, and I'm like I don't know, I just I look at that and I'm like, with who at quarterback? You know, are you gonna is a rookie quarterback gonna win the Super Bowl or is it gonna be Garoppolo? Um, and I haven't delved enough into like the odds and if there's any betting lines and that sort of stuff. I don't have a great feel on the San Francisco one. That's the one I don't have. Um, I don't know for Mac Jones. Like, I actually think the the Mac Jones implications are are really big, and not even for the quarterback position. That they ran more in the red zone than anyone in the NFL uh, through the quarterback position. It was a, just an ungodly amount of rushes. Like they're they're. I think it was like uh, just an incredible amount of their their red zone offense was quarterback rushes. If that changes from Cam Newton to Mac Jones, that's going to open up a huge amount of uh, Damian Harris or potentially Sony Michelle workload in the red zone. That's that's one of like the biggest sort of, uh, I guess, secondary stories of of the quarterback battles. I think it has a huge impact if if 
Mac Jones is going to start the season. Damian Harris is going to be like one of my favorite guys at running back. Just because I think it's a huge benefit uh, to him just in terms of the structure of their offense. So I'm watching all, I think, I think the, the earliest one we see is probably fields would be my guess. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, we'll see with, because I think Garoppolo is actually probably better than we give him credit for. He just hasn't been healthy. And I can see how that's aggravating from a coaching perspective. Um, and, 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 Trey Lance has probably more upside, but there's obviously a little bit more variance with a with a rookie quarterback. So it, that's one that'll be interesting to watch. And I think ultimately Mac Jones sort of, you know, if it's the same Cam Newton we saw at the end of last year, it's going to be Mac Jones pretty early. Yeah, I think Fields needs to start day one. Um, they're just they're doing this weird thing where they're starting Dalton. I mean, we'll see how long that lasts. Like Fields is Fields is like exactly what the bears needed. And I think when they drafted fields, that's like the best thing the bears have done in such a long time. And I was so happy for bears fans. So that's the guy he needs to start like ASAP. Uh, And then Trey Lance. um, I'm a Niner fan and actually wanted them to draft Trey Lance. I thought it might be a bit silly if they did. So, but I was so ecstatic. Because I recognize his upside. He is pretty risky. But, like, this man is, like, essentially every Shanahan quarterback put into one. It, like, I mean, Shanahan, didn't he do He did it with RG3. He did it with Hoyer. He did it with Matt Ryan. I mean, he can make anybody good. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah. That, that man got paid a few bucks. Uh, it's going to be tough with the rookie quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo is like heavily favorited to to start. Uh, but I think with that good of a team and that good of a coach, uh, they could go far. I think they're a top six team projected uh, to win the Super Bowl. So I mean, we'll see. But yeah, Fields has got to be like the the soonest to start. I think Trey Lance is the quarterback I draft just because of the upside. But yeah, you know, Jimmy G's probably going to start. And then Mac Jones is more of an avoid. But then, you know, once his price drops quite a bit, he starts being very interesting. I think Cam is going to have a resurgence this year. But I do respect the fact that, I mean, his career could also be over this year. It could it could wind up that way as well. And then Mac, Mac could come in. But I, I think, I mean, Cam played with a battle line. His first year, he barely had any time to get acclimated to the team. He had no receivers. So now he's got a realistic shot. Even with that being said, and even with me having faith, yeah, he might screw up and we might see Mac Jones sooner than later. I'm I'm thinking Mac Jones way later, though. That's that's what I'm thinking. No, it's great points. And and you know, just to Jordan touched on a little bit, but when you're drafting players or looking at your rankings. Does that affect you at all when you're looking at, you know, let's say the 49ers pass catchers or, you know, New England, the offense changes completely if they change quarterbacks. But the rookie quarterbacks, they can have their growing pains and things like that. Do you avoid any of those players? Um no, not really. I, I think I think quarterback play is probably an overstated part of uh, receiving production uh, for for tight ends and wide receivers. Uh, it's so much more about the targets, right? So if uh, you know if if someone's going to get 120 targets, I'm I'm 
pretty interested. It doesn't really much matter who's throwing to him. I don't think we're we're particularly good at predicting these things. I mean, who would have thought that Herbert would have had the season he had last year? You know, and that we could just go back through this. Like, and we're not really good at ordering uh, how good the quarterbacks are, even in the top 10, right? We spent all this time talking about the top 10 quarterbacks and, and rightly so, right? I mean, it's, a, it's an important stuff. It's important stuff, but ADP isn't better than random, right? So when you think about this, you know, when you, when you put the guys in a tier, you know, of the top 10 guys, and I include fields in that this year, you know, the ADP doesn't, uh, hasn't been predictive, uh, better than random. Right. So what that says to me is a guy a lot uh, that a lot of people really love, which is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I'd much rather wait. And, you know, even even the 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 elite guys. Right. I mean, it's a the top 10 quarterbacks. It's a 40 percent chance that they're multiple starters. I mean, that is a bad number to be spending a first round startup pick on, you know, and if you sort of go down, you know, and then once you get into, you know, Lance is going to 11, uh, Fields is going, uh, later, uh, Fields is going actually three eleven uh, and startup drafts in the past month. Uh, you know, those at least are a little bit more palatable in terms of the cost. Uh, but it's, it's interesting when you look at those, you know, we don't, and the NFL ordering hasn't been, hasn't predicted success, uh, better than random either. And so those things are really concerning to me. And I guess I would say like, you know, I look a lot at profiles of players and I try and think, you know, if there's a, if there's profiles that are trading significantly different in price, why is that? And is it something I really should be pouncing on? Cause a lot of times that's true. Like a lot of times you should take the cheapest one of a, of a group of players. I mean, Herbert last year is a good example of that. Um, you know, waiting and taking Ayuk and rookie drafts last year was a good example of that, you know? So there's a lot of these guys that, that I think if you can wait on, um, you know, and, and take basically the last one off the board, I think you're probably ahead long-term. Yeah. And if you look at it on a season, just a season by season basis over the last three or four seasons, there's been 45 plus quarterbacks that have put up quarterback one performances. So sometimes you do get these random guys. I mean, quarterbacks are just, there's not, you know, you have 32 quarterbacks that are playing 16, 17 games each. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of different guys coming in. And, you know, last year we had Taysom Hill playing quarterback slash tight end slash running back. He put up a couple QB one games. Um, but yeah, I just, something I wanted to see what your guys thoughts are couch. Any, anything on that, as far as your rankings, you're looking at either the 49ers players or any of the teams that have rookie quarterbacks. I didn't even understand the question to be honest. So when you're looking at your your rankings or even when you're in your drafts, does it affect you if there's uh, this quarterback switch that's potentially coming? Oh, like a like a somewhat competition or something? No. So like, let's say that you're switch. looking at drafting uh, a Brandon Ayuk. Does it affect you? Oh, the other you... players. Yeah, my bad. Oh, not um. Other than, not really because man that's that's i guess this one of the factors that's kind of out of i don't know you just you don't know if it's going to happen or not and, and what's going to happen so like you know the niners and rams kind of we've been talking about that let me stick with that like we know it's mcveigh and shanahan that's kind of like the driving factor behind yeah. those two offenses and um you know I guess the biggest example was the Texans, right? Because DeAndre Hopkins was good with these no names, and then he just 
blew up when he had Deshaun Watson, but, and I was a big fan of Deshaun Watson. And I, you know, I still didn't know that. Like I didn't, you know, we really didn't know that was going to happen. Like right when he, you know, touched the field, it was just going to be magic. And, you know, I always forget the guy he replaced. Was it Tom Savage? I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know that guy's name. And, but he was like, he, people actually drafted him and he, you know, like, he he was the starting quarterback for the Texans. That only lasted uh, for two quarters, though. Kudos to you for remembering Tom Savage. Uh, yeah, I bring it up a lot. That's probably why. Like he's just such a yeah. You can't. So just be- before remember. we head out, just a couple different QB battles. I want and this this one definitely. I think it, it affects multiple fantasy players. Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? Who is going to be the Denver Broncos starting quarterback? It should be Bridgewater. But, you know, te- sometimes teams are really stupid and they do stuff, you know, whatever. It should be Bridgewater. If I had to bet, I'd bet luck or lock, excuse me. I'd bet Ooh, lock. luck would yeah, be great. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, I, would, I'd bet, I bet Drew Lock. Yeah, I'd bet Drew Lock. Man, Andrew Luck coming out of retirement would be like something out of WWE. <laughs> um, that would be amazing. Uh, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? Jameis, man. Famous Jameis. Jameis, I will say, I don't think people knock Taysom Hill. Uh, I don't think he was as bad as people think he was last year. So People think, think he was bad? I, I think the common narrative is that he was a pretty bad passer last year, which I don't think is, oh, is entirely uh, accurate. Must just so. be, yeah, if, yeah, Michael Thomas didn't even, he, he didn't take a hit. I think there's a perception that Michael Thomas took a hit because of Taysom Hill. I know he scored zero touchdowns last year, but when you look back at the numbers, he was pretty solid. So I, I, I definitely agree that there's a perception out there, but I disagree with the perception that he was he was bad. It was almost entirely well. Michael Thomas was almost entirely touchdown variance. Like if you had given him, I don't know, a half a touchdown a game, however many games he played, right, his season would look completely different. He had zero touchdowns, and and he on a per route basis, which is I think the the best way to analyze these guys is just to look, you know, what did you do on a per route run basis? Like he was still excellent. So God, I mean, man, it's entirely you're scaring me so much, bro. He, yeah, like, I don't he think there's hurt. any reason to be scared. Why? Well, honestly, he, don't like. My, if no, you no, look, you're going yeah. uh, Michael Thomas. You're going with all these stats. I mean, he was like, re- like this is a human being. He was hurt a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't. <laughs> he, he was <laughs> like, hurt. You're doing like a lot well. of. Yeah, I mean, it's like like and the Julio too. Like, it's hard to just go off stats when you know the dude had l- lingering leg issues um but yeah he was a, he, a small sample size with Taysom Hill and he did okay yeah I mean I'm not I'm not knocking Michael Thomas I actually think he was very good considering the fact that he was hurt and the fact that he had a quarterback that's um wasn't particularly proficient last year and he still graded out in the top 15 of yards per route run again he only played seven games but if you again if you if you had given him four touchdowns in those seven games his numbers would look a lot different i think people would be treating him different just the fact that he didn't have touchdowns i mean that's again a lot of that's luck based um yep. i think he, i think it was fine last year so i'm i'm actually i think he's one of the easier buys in dynasty well i think i think with Jameis, there's going to be more passing touchdowns so um I, I don't think Taysom Hill was a good passer, um, but I mean, as a quarterback, he was okay. Like he he surprised a lot of people, won a lot of games. But I think with Jameis, though, there there will be more passing touchdowns. I think with Taysom, there will be less passing touchdowns. And I I do think Mike Thomas was 
I thought he was pretty good, all considering. Uh, same thing with Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones was pretty good, with considering that you know he had he played on half a hamstring for most of the season, almost all the season. Yeah, but both scenarios have me nervous. Um, with with Teddy Bridgewater, I was pretty vocal before the draft of you don't trade a six round pick for your starter. They're still in the market for a quarterback. Justin Fields is on the board. I'm like, boom, baby, it's gonna be Justin Fields and. They did not take Justin Fields. Shocker. Then, it was a shocker to me, yeah. And then last year when, you know, we had Drew Brees go down, I was definitely of the – it's definitely Jameis. Like, it makes so much sense. And then Taysom Hill played. So probably going to be the same situation this year where I'm thinking it's going to be Jameis, and we'll we'll see how this ends up. I just – it definitely makes – I feel like it's going to be Jameis, but I'm not 100% confident based off of losing that bet last year. Vegas has huge odds that it's going to be Jameis, but there's worries with both. Uh, I mean, will Jameis get vultured by Taysom Hill? I think that's a, I think that's very likely. So you gotta, you gotta worry about both. I think, and Taysom did fine. I, I don't know if Taysom can win a playoff game though. That's the thing. Um, I think, Jameis has the upside too, but you know, he needs some coaching though. Sean Payton has to get to it. Yeah, yeah. And he needs to stop doing those crazy workouts. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe I don't know. Something. Yeah. I like them. I enjoy he, he got them. he got real mad because uh somebody threw out there, stop paying your buddies to be your trainer. Get a real freaking trainer. I was like a retired player or something. James a, Jones or something. Uh, Derek Carr's brother, the 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 bus, the David Carr. David Carr. Yeah, David Carr said that. Yeah. So um, I really yeah, – you've been gracious with your time. I appreciate we covered a lot. Any parting words or anything before we go? Uh, no, Make time sure to plug. Me. It's time to plug me. That's a good final word. Yeah, yeah, plug, man. Plug away. Oh, yeah, check me out on YouTube. That's the, that's the number one place to check me out. Um, just give me a shot. Look, if you don't like me – you know, unsubscribe from me, forget about me, but check me in on YouTube. You won't be sorry. Um, I'm everywhere else as well. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Fantasy Couch, YouTube's Fantasy Couch. So check me out. Welcome to the Couch family. Thanks for coming on, man. Jordan? Yeah, you can find all my work at analyticsofdynasty.com. Uh, you can find the get the 2021 edition of the Analytics of Dynasty. Um, and honestly, I think the best way to consume the Analytics of Dynasty is through uh, the bundle. So it's the 2020 and the 2021 edition together. Um, and that's not, you can get that on sale. It's 50 bucks. Um, and go ahead and subscribe to analyticsofdynasty.com. I do Dynasty Daily Podcasts, so podcast every day. In the offseason, in your dynasty, in your podcast feed, and I'll have plenty of in-season coverage as well. Um, probably daily in-season, with the exception of Sunday morning, I would guess, is, is going to be the schedule there. Um, and yeah, and you can go find that all at analyticsofdynasty.com and uh, check out the Football Guys Dynasty show. Awesome. I'll make sure to plug both those in the, uh, in the notes. And uh, everybody, have a good night. All right, guys.